It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another episode on a Tuesday or whatever day you may be listening to this podcast. Thanks for doing it. Uh, my name's Jake Elliott. Brad Chelliner is my co-host. We'll get him in right off the get-go here. Bradley, how's it going? Uh, Sunday? It's February 20. I, it's March tomorrow, and uh, we're, we're coming up on a year of lockdown, pandemic. Uh, how's it going, man? Right? And, yeah. No leap year this year. No leap year. Thank God we don't need an extra day. Um, but yeah, it's the last. It's the last time someone explains to me the other day. After next week, we can no longer say like, "Oh, this time last year I was in Mexico. Yeah. This time last year I was flying to a work retreat in downtown Toronto. This yeah. time last year I was, you know, broadcasting in Saskatchewan, Rogers yeah. Arena. Yeah." This time last year, I was doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now, working from home and being cooped up and not seeing my friends and family. So, yeah, it's, it's a year of this now. But here we are. We enjoy each other's company on, on a Sunday afternoon. I spent the weekend at uh, Home Depot feeling very manly. Yeah, what are you doing? Just walking around Home Depot with a tape measure. Oh, so like, you're like, anything, you're not, you don't have, any... like, a project on the go. You're just No, like... I installed some closets, put oh. in six, six new closet doors this weekend, which wow. turned out to be more complicated than Six. it prob- probably sounds but is there anything more manly than walking through home depot with a tape measure just like you know measuring things. working with six closets my goodness that's uh, that's a lot of a lot of closet space a lot of closet space my wife has a lot of clothes yeah yeah, yeah i hear you on that a lot of one pillows sorry for uh you know hopping on a little bit later actually you were making me wait in in the zoom waiting room and and i told you i had uh a bit of a well, I don't. Yeah, I can't even say it's funny. Um, I've I've had a bit of a, a rough weekend, Brad. I got to be honest with you here before we kind of get started. I've been working on a project uh, with my friend Jamie Monroe for the last well number of months, and and kind of got things put on hiatus. Uh, so that was a, a bit of a, a tough pill to swallow, right? As we were kind of ready to roll the thing out, got kind of told that that wasn't gonna be happening. <laughs> so that was tough, and then. Yeah, you know, last, like, I don't know what it is, probably week, week and a half, my leg's been really kind of bugging me. I know you mentioned to me when we were doing the draft, you're like, oh, you're limping pretty good. And I said, yeah, you know, so I've, I've had a bad hip for, for quite some time. Like, I can't play lacrosse anymore and can't do a lot of things anymore, like put a sock on or tie my shoe. You still get out of the disc golf. Though. Yeah, yeah. Some things it's weird. Like, some things I can do pretty, pretty – I can't even really do that anymore, though, unfortunately. So I, I've gotten to a point where it's like walking is is painful now. So – and I've been waiting. Like, I've you know, I've seen my doctor and got on – you know, like said, like, this – I need a new hip sort of thing. And it's a – you know, it's a process that takes time. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, which set – everything back and i kind of like so i was like okay i'm gonna try and stay patient through the so it's been like i'm coming up on two years kind of when i started the the process of trying to get in to see a surgeon and and 
get my hip done. And uh, finally, like, it's been getting worse and worse and worse to the point where I made another doctor's appointment. Like, I, I followed up with my doc back in July and kind of said, like, what's going on? It's been over a year. And he said, you know, we're in the pandemic and surgeries aren't happening. I know it's a long-winded story. But so finally I went to the doctor. He said, well, you better call the surgeon and find out what's going on, like where you are in the list. I said, okay. So I did that. Call him up. said, hi, my name's, you know, Jake Elliott. Uh, I got referred a couple of years ago and just kind of wondering where I'm at. Oh, what's your name? So, so she goes, well, you're not on the list. Oh, no. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, well, we don't we don't have a referral for you. <laughs> oh. Pardon? <laughs> Two years I've been waiting to, to kind of get this going, only to find out that I'm not even on the waiting list. So add to that, I said, you know, like I'm, I'm supposed to see Dr. Duncan is his name. She goes, oh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Duncan's retired. Uh, so not only am I not, but the surgeon I'm supposed to see is is retired. So she goes, well, she, I said, two, I've been waiting two years. She goes, nobody waits two years. <laughs> so I feel like it felt long. Yeah, it did feel long. Good to know. So uh, she goes, well, you better get your referral in, and then you can go on the waiting list for Dr. Newfeld, and that's only like a month or two. So Doc assures me that uh, the referral was sent off back in 2019. I don't know if it got lost in translation. Fa- I don't. I don't know what happened, Brad. But two years I've been waiting <laughs> to get this. To- I'm so glad I like called and was like, "What's going on?" Because I would have just kept waiting. I know you would have just sat there. So now what? Now you're bumped up. And couple you- months. Uh, the knife in a couple what, months. I, I I don't know if I'm going under the knife. I get an appointment to go see the doctor in mm. a couple of months. So. Oh, okay. And I'll assess you and determine if you need yeah. surgery. Oh, I need that. surgery. <laughs> There's no question about that. So a bit of a rough weekend, uh, and, and uh, I'm glad to kind of be past it and talking some lacrosse. And buckle up here. If that entry or intro wasn't long-winded enough for you, uh, we're going to overtime here on episode 121. As Jimmer's back in overtime with something else, Quick Sticks coming up in quarter four this episode. Uh, we got our Stampede Stallion of the Week coming right up. The big focus, of course, as well, Brad, and, and a couple of guests here on EP121. As first up, uh, Pioneer Charter member of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame calls to the hall, goes out to the other half of the original two owners and Chris Fritz as we catch up with him down in Kansas City. So that's going to be a fun conversation. And then a guy that I really had no idea about being from this part of our world, Brad, in Oliver Marty, who is the brand-new majority owner of the franchise that moved from New England to the Capital Region in Albany, New York, uh, but played his junior lacrosse in Richmond, was a senior salmon belly, and and uh, made his way down to Brown University and never looked back. But Oliver Marty coming up in quarter three. This is going to be a jam-packed episode and a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, where to start? So, Fritzy, we've been we've been chasing for a while. We had a great uh, a great chat with with Russ Klein a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe a month ago now, who was one of the charter members and one of the founders of the NLL, and you know, and it, was, it was an interesting conversation because you know I think there's some there's some hurt there for for Russ Klein to to be reading all these years later about kind of how players felt and how people think that they were you know, running away with money back then, and there, there's some hurt, but also 
he, you know, when I asked him what he was most proud of, he was most proud of the connections that he made in the game. So, you know, there is still some, some deep passion and some deep little cross roots there. These guys were concert promoters. They worked for the Kansas city chiefs. They were event guys, um, uh, monster yeah. trucks and yeah, music festivals, Willie Nelson's picnic. And, you know, they were really they interesting of, guys, both yeah. of them, and a little bit different. I think each of yeah. them. And, yeah. Them. And both have, both have a lot of stories to tell and, but both fell in love with lacrosse. So I'm curious to hear how that kind of plays out and what, and what Fritz has to say about that. And then we're yeah, going with Fritzy. Are we going with Fritzy? Let's just go with Fritzy. We're going Fritzy. Fritzy. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he's Fritzy. <laughs> but I don't think we're the first people that have called him Fritzy. No, you're probably right. And then, yeah, Oliver Marty, I had to Google this, but he was on the 89 and 90 Richmond Outlaw mm -hmm. team. That, good uh, teams that, back that competed then. For the, for really the Minto good teams. Cup. Yeah, they got, um, I think St. Catharines ended up winning both those both those Minto Cups in 89 or 90. But yeah. Jason Wolder was on those teams and, and Darren Goundry and, and – Yeah, a bunch and, of good ballers. Well, lacrosse was a big deal in, in Richmond for a while, and I kind of wish it, it would get back there again Me one too. day. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it will, but I, I love those jerseys. Like, you know, I, I grew up watching – a lot of Richmond guys. And then when Richmond shut down, they had, they all end up coming to, to bladder and still do. I know there's a draft now, but like before there was a draft, a lot of the Richmond kids ended up just becoming Delta Islanders um, back in the day before, before the draft ended up going in there. So a lot of Richmond connection in, in the South Delta here, but yeah, I didn't know about Oliver. And then he goes to Brown. He's an all American and gets in the NLL for a bit and plays with the saints and big time um, hedge fund manager yeah. in the U S and, was an early investor in the PLL helped launch uh, the collegiate box league in, in Connecticut and just wherever he goes, Epic lacrosse as well. Yeah. Epic lacrosse box lacrosse follows him. Like he really took that from growing up here in the lower mainland and has spread that around the U S and no better way to do that than jump in the ownership pool, an yeah. team, jump in the ownership <laughs> pool and bring a team to Albany. Yeah. So, I don't know if you want to fire the big focus intro right now, but let's let's talk Albany. Yeah, let's do it. This is the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. Big focus. 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 Big I love the new uh, little soundbite. I gotta say, I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm yeah, well, well done. grown on me there. Yeah. Well done in the production department again. <laughs> I know it was, it was the big, it was the big focus for us last week yeah. too, but we didn't have a lot of information. It was kind of just trickling out as we were recording the show. I don't even think we knew who the ownership group was this time last week when we were sort of discussing Albany. And you know, my original take back was not a sexy city by any means it's not fort worth it's not san diego it's not philadelphia vegas vegas montreal names that have been batted around it's albany and i don't think anybody expected albany to get thrown back in the mix like this totally came out of left field for for you and and myself yeah, 20 years 20 years removed and like you know when there when there's polls about where would the nll where would you like to see it go back to where it was before Albany never comes up in those in those no, conversations no, of those really polls. Doesn't. Chicago comes up, all sorts of places come up. Albany never uh. crosses anybody's mind. But this ownership group led by Oliver Marty, who I said is the is a major head of fund manager and investor in the PLL, Epic Lacrosse. Um, he's gonna lead this group. And it's a very lacrosse driven board. Uh, the other members on the board all have connections, I think, to the PLL as well. And um, the Grizzlies movie was based on one of the one of the board members Rush too. Shepard, like, yeah. 
and and Mike French is gonna is gonna stay on with this group too, who we who we know a lot about has done a lot of good over the over the course of his lifetime in the National Lacrosse League and, yeah. and beyond. So there's some really good lacrosse minds on this board, which I like. And it also sounds like we we're talking about Albany is is a lacrosse hotbed with the Danes and and the and the NCAA there and a lot of the, a lot of the players that I think come from three Div One from that area in that area that uh, that are balling. What are at. the other ones? I'm trying. What to are think. the other ones? I'm trying to think. I, I, I like I don't know that area well enough to maybe we'll ask. Like is Q is Q's close to that? Uh, maybe we'll, we'll ask Oliver. How about that? Um, bring up Google Maps here. Yeah, do that. Um, but listen, like I think the biggest thing is here two points. A lot has changed in Albany in 20 years as far as the infrastructure and the city and the growth and the population and the popularity of lacrosse in Albany as a whole as well has really developed over 20, 20 years. Pretty long time to be away and separate, right? So a lot can happen in 20 years. And the other thing about it is – you look at the track record here for, for Oliver Marty, pretty darn good. Like, whatever he kind of puts his hands on usually turns out pretty successful. And I've talked to other couple of people that have a smaller investment into this ownership group, and they're all really fired up about it, Brad. Like, they're excited, and, and Oliver's going to lead this thing, like you said, lacrosse ties, box lacrosse history and roots in, in his life. And, well, and man, you know what, what? One of the imperatives that Nick Sakevich has been talking about for years when looking for a market is 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 a good ownership group or solid solid ownership group, uh, a building and grassroots. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've seen a box lacrosse dedicated grassroots sort of uprising from any of the newer teams. Not San Diego, I think's making inroads there. They're making inroads, but I think Albany has a really chance of of being the front runner for that and turning people on to lacrosse and getting them to play box lacrosse in the U S. So I think this is good for the national lacrosse league in that regard. And that's why it might be a nice home second time around. Yeah. And I don't know what, what the situation is in Philly, but box cross been around Philadelphia for a long, long time. I don't know what the grassroots exactly is like the situation there, but I know like uh, I was on the presser with uh, Bob Hamley and, uh, PCLC, which we'll talk about a little bit later in Quick Sticks, but uh, grassroots is a priority for those guys as well. And it'll take it'll take a while for a city like that that's all they've ever known is field lacrosse to make that transition and kind of get that sort of thing off the ground. We can talk a lot about that, but uh, th- that's that's probably another episode for another time. But uh, we're looking forward to Oliver Marty coming up in quarter number three. That was the big thing. You got anything else on, on Albany for him? We've got to save some stuff here for Marty. Yeah, I think we can we can pick his brain. I'm I'm just like let's. I just want lacrosse to be back on the floor so bad. <laughs> you know. Hey, I heard and- some pretty positive news uh, from our premier Brad. That's what we call him here in Canada. That he's saying. Sorry, I'm rattling my table. There it was. Um, that. Listen, everybody should be able that that wants to be should be able to be vaccinated by the end of summer. So I don't know if that needs to be everybody for lacrosse to make a return here in Canada or BC before we get to that point. Like, how safe will it be in June or July? 
Like, can we play even though everybody's yeah. not there? You know what I mean? But if, 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 if they're saying that everybody can be done by the end of summer, then I'm really, really hopeful for an LL season. Hey, and no offense to to our to our listeners who reside south of the border, but it's it's on them. It's going to be on their guys. Like, I have no problem. I've, I have no doubt in my mind that British Columbia is going to be able to get their shit together in the next yeah. six, eight months. I don't know if you can say that about, about New York and California. <laughs> yeah. Right, so it's yeah. gonna be well. Gonna be it, it's guys, the border, right? It's the border, yeah. man. It's all about the border. But uh, yeah. either and the way, border's not gonna get opened up until it's mass, uh, mass herd immunity in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Another, we'll 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 stay on top of that developing story. And I'd also <laughs> want to stress too about Albany. I do have one more point okay. on Albany. It's like they're they're the New England Black Wolves. They're bringing over a first place franchise team, you know, yeah. a team that was one having their best season ever. Um, and Glenn Clark. And, yeah. They're going to bring over that staff. They're going to bring over that roster and, and probably some gonna other be, pieces. They're going to be able to win some games early, which we know is, is super important to helping build a fan base. Absolutely. That's a huge kind of luxury to have to not have to kick off a team from square one to have no, an like, existing what, what roster if, and, and roll out. What would have happened in Saskatchewan if if, yeah, if they were a terrible team to start there? I don't know, but they, they sure caught lighting in a bottle and have been one of the most attended franchises ever since. Speaking of Edmonton and Saskatchewan, Brad, uh, teeing me up as you have a sip of lager there, it looks like. It's time for the Stampede Stallion of the Week. <laughs> The Stampede Stallion of the Week, Brad Schellner, brought to you by our good friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. I know uh, Kevin and the crew have inventory going on this week at the end of the month here, Brad. Never a fun time, especially for people like you that aren't really good at math. Uh, inventory, man, like I don't like you being in radio, I don't know how many times you've had to do inventory in your lifetime. That I don't know if it gets any better than that or worse than that, I should say. Awful. No, yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Stampede Tech and Western Wear. Well, inventory is hard work. They love hard work. Lacrosse people love hard work as well. And that's why they carry a hard working boot line at Stampede Tech. CSA approved, of course. They got the Work Hog, Turbo Styles, Ariat, Green Patch, Red Back, Blundstone, one of my favorites, of course, Brad, and Canada West. And Boulay, if you're looking for that homegrown boot. Stampede Tack and Western Wear at the corner of Highway 10 and 180 since 1966. Or my favorite being online is still shopping local. Shopping local. I got all excited I couldn't even get that out. Stampede.ca, Brad, where shopping online is still shopping local. Stampede Tack and Western Wear. It's my pick this week for our Stampede Stallion. And my selection, I mentioned Edmonton, Saskatchewan. Uh, Jimmy Q. Jimmy Quinlan is this week's Stampede Stallion. And uh, this one just kind of came to me as I was getting prepared for the show today, Brad. But uh, uh, Jimmy Quinlan, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this selection. I think this guy deserves some recognition. This is similar to your Curtis Hodgson pick a few weeks ago. Where it's true. 
His jersey is retired. Up by there with a Wayne Gretzky, number eighty-one, and Yari is Curry, and Glenn just, Anderson, and just Messi. a couple, just a couple legends Fury. there. So how how underrated is Jimmy Quinlan if his jersey is hanging? We said the same thing about Hodge. Will but Jimmy right. Quinlan go to the Hall of Fame, Brad? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I don't think so either. He, that's why he's a stallion. Exactly. That's why we put him in this time because those are the guys that get recognition here. Yes, his jersey's retired. At the at the time that he retired, he was the all-time leader in rush games played. Who holds that record now, Jumbo? Brett Mitski. One Brett Mitski. They're right. But yeah, 80. There's not a lot of retired jerseys in the National Lacrosse League. I think maybe we should do a bit on that mm. one day. I I I combed through this was a couple seasons ago, and I have to go back and check go years deep down the timeline but i think i I went through team by team to find out what jerseys were retired and it's not many it's not many at all it's only one in saskatchewan it's one in one in vancouver for the stealth um probably a few in buff a couple in roch right yeah roch Roch was interesting roch has a hall of fame that has a whole bunch of guys in it but i don't think they have any official numbers that can't be worn by anybody else hmm. there was a couple of quirks like that kaluski or well, even calgary too like calgary, um, to- toth yeah he's up there they're uh, they're forever a roughneck but i still think you can wear no nobody's wearing number nine in calgary anymore someone wore 17 after tk though. yeah maybe ranger maybe, scott ranger maybe wore if, 17 no he wore 71 dixon wore 17 he did he does uh or does he wear 71 now God, now we're go- we're going down a bad. No, I think we're Dix- go- Dixon. We're seven. talking about so Jimmy Quinlan a- here, Brad. Show. Jimmy Quinlan is is an absolute style. You know, right? Jersey retired by the Saskatchewan Rush. 135 games played, um, but once he became a full timer, he was drafted by the Toronto Rock fifth round in 2001. Joined that 2005 team that won a championship, and then he went to Edmonton and missed one game the rest of his career. Yeah, 2009. Uh, which is pretty Look at the numbers think, here in played, 07, played 08. Like, played 0 for yeah. the rush his first couple seasons. And 55, then, 53 points, uh, yeah. over 20 goals a couple of years. Three, three goals, years two, in yeah. a row, a 20 goal score, 16 the year after that. And then Derek Keenan said, No, you're a D guy. Um, but, but heart and soul team player. He used to scrap a little bit back in the he day. He would fight. Too. He would do absolutely everything for his team. He oh, was and captain, one of the best. The team coached the team. Like just a guy that talking players you're ever gonna find, Brett. Like the lip on him, man. You yeah, would want when, to when he play. had when he had the long hair oh. in his early days too, when he was chirping with the wet flow. Sherwood on the back Park, of his jersey. Alberta, another one from the Alberta province spread uh, Johnny Lentz, of course, in there as well. Uh, goes on to win three rings as a coach with the rush. And, and oddly enough, he's going back. He took a couple of years off, but he's back on the rush bench, but he's going to be coaching offense um, this upcoming season. So, uh, and like hilarious, Jimmy Quinlan, like just one of the guy on the bus, you know, he's the the one liners. This guy is, is right up there and uh, coached actually Jimmy Quinlan way back in New Westminster. One of my very first coaching jobs, New Westminster Junior A. Jimmy Quinlan, a spry young, cocky yeah, he, uh, lacrosse he, player back and then. And he still calls you coach he when does, you once see in a while, Jimmy Quinlan. Yeah. Like that, the respect is <laughs> yes, still lingering yes. there after all these years. Indeed. So, uh, Jimmy Q, Jimmy Quinlan, welcome to the stable, brother. You are this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. 
Brad, I told you it's going to be a long episode. We're 23 minutes deep, and we're just finishing up quarter number one. Let's get to Q2 and calls to the hall. Fritzy, Chris Fritz is coming up next. Keep it right here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer John Tucker. You're listening to Lax Class on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into the second quarter here on episode 121. Jay Kelly, Brad Schoner with you and with us. And they've been with us for a while. It's the Vancouver Warriors. I'm not sure how many weeks are left out there at the Fieldhouse in Langley for the Warriors Academy. But the boys are still out there. Matt Beers, Riley Lowen, Eric Penny. Uh, of course, Coach Gill as, as well. Coach Galley, as, as Biz Nasty said. You see that tweet the other day, Brad? Uh, shunning lacrosse goals in hockey. I had to show him a little clip of, of his efforts uh, trying to score a goal in, in lacrosse at Warriors camp, which is a couple of years ago now. Uh Still a couple of weeks to go there at Warriors Academy, though. Check them out, VancouverWarriors.com or at NLL Warriors for all your pricing and informational needs. And here on episode 121, as we go into the second quarter, we want to continue our calls to the hall. And one of the charter members of the National Lacrosse League's Hall of Fame and one of the original two owners of the major indoor lacrosse league, what was known as the Eagle Pro Lacrosse League way back in the day, as uh, we had Russ Klein on a few weeks ago, and now we welcome his partner in Chris Fritz. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. How are things going down in Kansas City? Uh, great, uh, except for the Chiefs uh, game, which we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's history. Uh, let's hope uh, the lacrosse uh, gets that big someday. Yeah, um, no. you know, it's been passion since uh, I got involved in it since '84. So uh, I love that game. It's incredible. So. You know, we're talking with Russ, and we kind of asked him, like, had you ever even seen lacrosse before? And, and his answer was no. But they saw some. You and him saw some old footage, like of of lacrosse in the '70s, and you guys kind of had a vision scene. Like this, we think this is the sport of the future. We got to find a way to kind of grab a hold of this and, and roll this thing out. Do you, walk me through your thought process on on getting this league off the ground and, and why you want to do it. Okay, well, uh, can I sidebar here? And Absolutely, of course. Sidebar all you want. Because I, like Russ probably told you, we couldn't spell across for two years. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was here and I was watching these guys with lacrosse sticks on roller blades and uh and they were just beating hell out of each other in a parking lot <laughs> and i go that's interesting so i said can you guys catch anything with those and they go no but you know it's a lot of fun to hit each other with them so uh, there was a guy um um uh, oh, uh, that was working for the comments at the time and uh 
he uh, he came to me because he heard I was doing an exhibition with these guys uh, in some parking lot for just fun and a donation for a food drive or something. And so uh, he came and he said, hey, you ought to get there's a lot of guys that play lacrosse that can, you know, ice skate because they play hockey sometimes. And uh, I'm from Baltimore, so we could get some guys going. So we started, um, we called it roller cross. And uh, I wanted to call it roller ball, but uh, Warner Brothers wouldn't sell me the name. So, uh, so I came, I came out there to meet with them because they were doing this for about six, seven weeks. So they had a coaches convention in um, New Jersey. So I came out to meet with them because they were getting a little disgruntled because they go, where, where are we going with this? And so they said, and I said, hey, here's what we got planned. And we're going to try to do, you know, a couple teams and we'll change jerseys and we'll do this. And, and we'll try to get this thing off the ground. They said, can we just have half hour of your time? And so they had this all prepped, right? So they took me into a room uh with and i'm trying to think of the chief's name he was uh part of the six nations okay and uh they said we want you to watch something so that's the first taste of box across and you know i'd heard the word but it wasn't even on my radar so i watched that my jaw dropped i said man this is amazing why isn't this big and they go it was for a brief second in the 72 when the league started, I believe. When it, 74, the, I think, yeah. 74, that's right. Uh, they had, uh, and I go, and they lasted a couple of years and then dropped. And I go, no, nah, this can't be possible. This is too good. So I went back and I uh, got a tape and I showed Russ and uh, he was definitely uh, intrigued by it. Uh, he said, well, how are we going to start a league? And it, now this is 84. So they coming out of the summer Olympics. I said, we'll just make it like, a, you know, we'll, we'll take off on the, the Olympics. We'll do it international team Canada against team USA, <laughs> but team Canada in that game was probably a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I can imagine yeah. they yeah. were. I don't, I don't think we won a game. Uh, but, you know, so we, but we played uh, Washington, Baltimore. Uh, we played Peterborough. We played uh, uh, New, New York. Jersey in there, I want to say. Uh, yeah, well, it was in, uh, it was in New Jersey, right. Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah. Not Meadowlands. Uh, uh, where the where the Devils play? Uh, what's that called again? Oh, it, Nassau. Was, it was the Meadowlands. And now, well, Islanders, the New York Islanders play out of Nassau. So I don't know which, uh, which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It was probably, I think it was, uh, well, it was, yeah, it was the Devils played at Meadowlands and yeah. the Islanders at, uh, yeah, because obviously Nassau is an island. So, um, so uh, we did good. We had a riot in one game uh, in Philly, <laughs> but we did a lot of people there. We did quite a few people in uh, Baltimore. Yeah. So he said, hey, let's start a four-team league. And that's, that was the uh, hypothesis of where it, kind of started and a lot of people jumped forward one for all the people that just loved the game and wanted to be involved uh, this would have never evolved to where it is today but uh we're, we're proud that we got to be the beginning of something 
So when, when you guys started with germinating this idea and, and wanting to start the pro league, had you done much research and figured out like all, all these teams that were already playing in Canada, like your new Westminster salmon bellies and Brampton Excelsiors and six nations and Peterborough, you mentioned, but you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of cities in Canada that have been playing at a very high level for, you know, 80, it, 90, a hundred years. Right. So I wonder at that very start, was there any talk of trying to get those teams involved rather than just saying, Hey, we're going to start four fresh teams here in the Eastern seaboard in the U S. Uh, well, we, we picked from there, but not because of our expertise or our, our good research. Cause our research was probably at best weak. <laughs> I mean, there was people that, I mean, they live and breathe, you know, for the minnow cup. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, you know, junior lacrosse is huge. And it's just, it, it, it was, it took me years to figure out what these guys were doing and how they were doing it and how they get their skills. And, you know, and how, it just amazed the, the, the game just fascinated me and amazed me like the depth of how people are into this. So um, every day, every year, every day, we were in this for over 25 years. Ago. And you and Russ really had like a pretty close relationship being the owners of all the teams. Like you guys had pretty close relationships with these players on a, on a day-to-day basis. Oh yeah. I mean, we had to, I mean, we had a staff of probably four people plus ourselves running it all out of Kansas city. But what we did, you know, we, we teamed literally teamed up with the buildings. And so they did our marketing and they had our operations. So, cause you know, we're on a shoestring the whole time. I mean, uh, you know, you can't make a fortune in four games and at the prices we were charging back then, but but with the, the teams uh, being uh, supported by the buildings and then they were our partner, literally they were our partners. They were on a percentage deal and everything. So um, we had a great relationship and it worked wonderful. And, uh, but, you know, back to your question, uh, it, it's like, you know, yeah, we learned and we never stopped learning stuff about the game. The, the one thing, you know, we, we, we were like more trying to do uh, what you probably call, it wasn't WWE, it was more like cage fighting. You know, we- <laughs> it was mayhem. Like, was that, was that encouraged, Chris? Because Russ says, like, no, we never, we never really told the guys to go out there and, and play like that. But I've heard from a few players that it wasn't exactly discouraged either. Like, it, it, was, it was mayhem on turf out there, essentially. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we, um, um, we, no, we didn't tell people to go out there and just fight. That wasn't even the purpose. We wanted them to, we wanted to put out a good product that was respected. And plus, we were trying to get uh, family people uh, involved and, uh, and a broader audience. And we didn't want to be WWE, just, you know, a fake show. We, you yeah. know, we wanted a real product. So, no, but, you know, this happens. I mean, uh, and, you know, there, it, there, the penalty was, you know, a couple minutes in the box, you know, and, and the uh, fans loved it, right? Like nobody was leaving the building when, when stuff went sideways. Yeah. It, you know, the, uh, the craziest thing, if you don't want to take your gloves off, the other guy still has his helmet on. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's rule number idea. one. That's rule number one. Yeah. No. 
but yeah, I, if you're if you're a player out there and you you know you 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 take someone's head off or you or you make a nice hit and and, and you know fifteen thousand people in Philly are going crazy for you, you're gonna want to go do that again and again and again and keep that keep that intensity up. Well, and there's and there's people that like to do that. Uh, I don't like to get hit and I don't like to <laughs> throw a bunch. Of, I'm a weakling, but uh, you know it's like they and plus it's an emotional game. I mean, yeah. so you're getting, and somebody does something bad or they, you know, check you from the rear or, you know, but take your, almost take your head off. You're going to go after them. Yeah. You're, you know, it's just your adrenaline is at 150%. So you're not like uh, sitting out there in a chess game. I often so. wonder too, sometimes would there have been like when, when we were into, you know, we're introducing all these Americans at the same time to play box lacrosse, come play against box lacrosse against these guys who have grown up playing it since they were five years old. So you're putting those two schools together. And I almost wonder too, if, if there was just frustration about a lot of the Canadian guys going, what are you doing playing defense like this? Like, I've never even seen this before. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you were, you were around all those guys, but like, was there animosity between the Americans and the Canadians in those early stages? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there was, uh, you know, I, I think everybody wanted this really bad. I mean, everybody wanted the lead to succeed. So, you know, that's why they all worked on the, with the salaries we could pay them or the, 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 the money we could pay them at the time. And, uh, and so, you know, it, uh, they, they were proud of their sport. You know, it's the mother sport of Canada still, and uh, they loved it. And they, uh, but, you know, yes, they, they, I don't think they had a lot. They, they had a lot of respect for the field players, but they didn't respect the box players or, you know, the indoor. We, I didn't, we never call it box, uh, except for a short period of time in the first uh, year. When it was the Eagle League at the, at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but you know they they would just uh, you know they were they actually would try to help, and then you know most of all the good coaching came from Canada, and they could train they can transition some of these players to play. The problem is most of the field players, which are down here, that were great, uh, kind of rejected it because uh, they thought it was a little too rough. You know, and they were it wasn't as finesse as they wanted it to be, and they want you know you had to yeah. be be tough. So what, you know. what are these boards all about, and these <laughs> these cross checks all about? They didn't like that. Yeah, stuff. You, you know, you watch a field game and you go, that's that doesn't look ter- very yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you watch some of our early games, you go, who'd get out there? It's like getting in the cage. Yeah, it's it was it's wild scenes, and there's tons of stuff up on on YouTube. Uh, one of the late great, or not late great, but uh, one of the former Philly Wings and, and goaltender Dallas Eliak has a ton of. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Do you still do you good. still keep tabs on the league, Chris? Like, do you still pay attention to to kind of what's going yeah. on and who's doing what? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, this year was kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, you're saying you can say it. that again. You <laughs> can say away. that again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes. Uh, you know, uh, we were hoping Philly would uh, rise and get uh, back to you know well, being a champion. They've put a good roster together there. Paul Day, one of the guys that was uh, a former player back back in those days, Chris Fritz, uh, right. now leading the way there in Philadelphia. And tell me about that because you and Russ own these teams and, and there wasn't a lot of money being made. And, and I think kind of where you guys did make your money is when you decided to sell off a couple of the franchises and you hung on to Philly for a while, but what, what, 
where did you guys get to that point when it was like, okay, if this thing wants to get bigger and, and we want to see it get to the next level, do we need to sell franchises? Or were you guys just kind of ready to, to get on your way and, and, and wanted to do this? You know, everything morphs. Um, we were, we were hoping to build as up bigger than we could. The problem is we didn't have the resources to be honest. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the depth that, you know, mega millions to build this thing, right? Um, we didn't have enough synergies in cities to go after it and try to start a team there. So it, between the players and, you know, the, when they, when they, uh, and they saw it too, they go, you know, they, they say, Hey, we appreciate everything done, but you need to expand this so we can make this a bigger thing. So yeah. it can someday, you know, people can actually make a living from it. I said, and so, you know, we were about ready to strike and that was kind of one of the, we weren't, they were, yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> So uh, there was uh, ready to have a strike and uh, and we said, no, we're going to work it out. And, uh, and it didn't get worked out. And then we said, hey, the season is going to be canceled, you know, and, uh, and so at midnight. And so we agreed to a lot of stuff that we would try to let go. We remember what year that to, was? We didn't Chris? need to be was 100%. That was that in the uh, early 90s, that that year, where it was kind of like this, right on the teeter-totter? Yeah, there? I would say uh, oh, probably, yeah, it was early 90s, 92, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, and um, um, so uh, we, we dealt with it, and, uh, you know, we saw that coming, and uh, it kind of embraced it because it gave us an opportunity to have some franchises and then sell off some. And then you know make a few bucks, and then um, um, continue. Still be involved, yeah. Yeah, and so um, that's you know, and it, but it was it was a kind of you know, it was negotiating with the players' association. That's exactly, and it was probably good insight on their part, and it made sense to us because one we didn't want to we didn't want to destroy it. We didn't want to. We didn't want this to go down. We'd already had, a, you know, ten years in this. We spent over twenty-five years with this league, and uh, as simple as that. Yeah. So it, yeah. the players to, and us, you know, it was a joint effort. You got to hang on in Philly, which is arguably one of the the most or the most successful, uh, you know, NLL franchise ever. Looking back. Yeah. Wickland Buffalo, Buffalo, yeah, was, Buffalo, and I was gonna ask like Philly, Buffalo, you know, and the, establishing the teams in, in those markets. But just overall, looking back, what are you what are you most proud of when you think about your your twenty five years with the league? Just uh, when fans would at, we'd always have parties afterwards, you know, and we get their two drink tickets. I get three. <laughs> 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 the I've heard so, some stories, Chris, of, uh, you know, you coming in the locker room with uh, with one on each arm in, in, a, in a faithful night in Detroit. I've, I've heard that one. Yeah. The <laughs> Windsor, the ballet. I love yeah. the ballet over yes, there. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, that was a – Detroit, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun in New York. I had a lot of fun everywhere. Was that kind of part of it for you, Chris? Like that, that was, you know, part of your – Part of part of the experience for you was having fun in that regard. 
Well, yeah, I enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun, but don't forget I'm a concert promoter. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, that was, yeah, that was, that was my next <laughs> question for you. I had I'm, a lot I'm, of fun in the early <laughs> days when when the, 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 the playing field is a lot different than it is today. Yeah, yeah I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> that was my last question for you. Was I'm wearing the Willie Nelson T-shirt because I knew that, uh, that Russ Klein said you guys had put on one of his picnics once upon a time. Um, but you know, look, looking back, um, greatest concert you ever, you ever seen that I've ever seen yeah. that we produced or, uh, or that you, or that you attended. Cause I know you're, you know, a music guy and a concert guy. It doesn't have to be one you put on, but it could be. Yeah. Well, I think it was more fun when I put them on. I put on a festival in Sedalia. That was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of headaches, but it was a lot of fun for a week. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> but I had, 40 bands there you know everybody from the eagles and aerosmith and leonard skinner and uh, bob seeger ted nugent you know it was, it was bachman turner overdrive jefferson airplane it was that was in 74 wow. uh, and so he had a that was great then i did a in 2000 uh, what was it 11 uh yeah 2011 we did a festival at the speedway with you know muse and black keys and 30 other bands uh so you're still into so, that stuff chris you're still you're still doing promotions yeah i uh i got a twenty thousand seat amphitheater here in kansas city i've been involved with since 91 i sold it 98 and i took it back and from live nation and uh 08 nice. so and then I just, uh, we just built a new place up in uh, St. Cloud. Well, it's Wake Park, Minnesota. Yeah. A little 6,000 seater called The Ledge. And it's it's beautiful. It's in a quarry. Uh, par partnered with the city up there. And well, there's a, there's a place that the NLL needs to get back into, Chris, is, is yeah. in Minnesota, whether it's St. Paul or Minneapolis. Uh, spend some time there and, and just a fabulous uh, city and, and market. Uh, last question here for you. Uh, well, the other place they need to go is Montreal. Yeah, they uh, the Express uh, in the early 2000s, I think, existed, and it was a, a short stint there, but I think those conversations are in the works, too. Uh, the other one? Quebec, so, yeah, in Quebec, yeah. If you get, if you go Montreal, you got to put one in Quebec too, right? Like that's just yeah. and, and and why, Chris? What do you know about those markets that you think would be successful? I went, took many trips up to Quebec, and that's a great city, by the way. Yeah, uh, only once in the summer, but mostly in the winter. It's not. It's a little rough up there. Little well cold, little well cold. Uh, but uh, Quebec, you know, the caribou were up there, and uh, and we tried to get get in there and do it. Um, and there was a lot of pushback. And so, um, you know, we, and, but, but then there, but now there was a new building. Yeah. We thought we had a there, yeah. yeah. We thought we had a deal kind of not in done, but I mean, a deal in the works and it just disappeared. Mm. I don't know why. I mean, it just, you know, we wouldn't even get uh, the courtesy of a, a phone call. I so. think there's countless uh, examples like that of, of teams kind of vanishing in the night in the National Cross League as it was yeah. 2006 NLL Hall of Fame inductee. And we always ask this of all our Hall of Fame members, Chris, before we let you go. And it can be a referee. It can be a coach. It can be a builder. It can be a player. Uh, if there is one person that you think belongs in the National Cross League Hall of Fame that is not currently in there, who would that be? Whew. Uh, 
Well, a lot of people I was just thinking of, I know they're in. <laughs> uh, uh, did Dave Evans get in? I do not no, believe Dave no. Evans is in the Hall of Fame as of yet. No. He should be in. Okay. That's first vote yeah. for Dave Evans, and then he's from our neck of the woods here yeah, out in British Columbia, well. and, and uh, yeah. spent a lot of time great with Dave. Spent a great lot player, but great coach. Yeah, great coach with the Philly Wings, absolutely. Yeah. Chris, um, you know, I just I want to say thank you before we let you go here for you and yeah, Russ. This is fun. I, I, you know, I could go on all night. Uh, and as could <laughs> we, as could we. But uh, I just want to say thank you for, for everything that you and Russ did, getting this league off the ground and, and turning it into – what it is today, Brad and I both work in the league, and and we have to say thank you for for everything because uh, I don't think we'd have jobs without you, you too. You're making you're choking me up. Yeah, hey, congratulations on <laughs> being an NLL that. Hall of Famer and and for all the work that you've done with this league. See and, and what sports. you just said. If I can interrupt you, yeah, what you said was probably when I said the I didn't finish up where the go to the parties. And then everybody come up to you and say, God, that's cool. Thank you for doing it. What yeah. a game. Even if it's bad. Hey, next week we're going to be here, yeah. you know, yeah. but just what things like, you know, the little kudos that you said, those are important. To, I mean, and I know Russ too. We, we, we really, because a lot of times we didn't even feel appreciated. Yeah, no, I, I got that from Russ a little bit uh, near the end of things that uh, he didn't quite feel appreciated. And I just want to make sure that, that you hey, do, yeah. you do. Yeah. And, and, and anybody, anybody listening we're to this. Boy. <laughs> but but seriously though anybody listening to this knows that the league is not there if it's not for you two so you know whatever anything has been written about over the years like it it, it all doesn't mean anything because the league doesn't exist if it wasn't for you two guys so yeah uh, thanks super super grateful thanks so much we for really your time chris appreciate it. thanks guys all right be take well care. take care hey let's have a great season this uh, yeah year. let's do it let's hope so this fall yeah. let's go all right take care See chris you, thanks a lot Bye-bye. there it was brad uh you know, like I, I, I had no idea what to expect when when we got Russ Klein on. I had no idea what to expect when we had Chris Fritz on. But these guys like genuinely cared. I mean, they were looking to make some money, no question about it. But they genuinely cared about the sport, about the league, and and about these players and making it happen and turning it into something bigger and better, which they did. Yeah, and we we weren't there, so I, I don't know. And you know, the, the the stories that we've heard about from players that have played at that time, or coaches, or anybody from that time, yeah, there's some there was some not so good stuff there. But it was it was a long time ago, and I still think yeah, after we've had those two conversations, those guys don't sound like they were swindlers trying to uh, make. A buck and I at think the they time. all you know? go back and do it again, Brad. Like you know, exactly. like they look back exactly. at a hundred bucks, this and that. Listen, you're playing in front of fifteen k and getting paid a little cake to do it and some beers after the game <laughs> like come on man yeah. like... and it was that was and that was the foundation those guys who played in that league and those guys who ran the league at that time set the stage and you have to learn from your mistakes and you have to get to a point where you say okay this isn't working anymore let's take it to the next level that's yeah. what the players have done that's what the owners have done it's all, part, it's all part of the growth. You started a freaking sports league in 1984. Like, Incredible. yeah, it took, it took 10, 20, 30 years to, to figure it out. And we're still learning. There's yeah. still franchises moving around and new franchises coming in. And it's not perfect yet because it's still in its infancy, even at 36, 37 years old, wherever we're at right now. 
there's a long way to go and we have to thank we have to thank the pioneers who who led the led the way and paved the way for us no question about it visionaries man i mean the concert promoting the tractor pull like these guys are always kind of a step ahead of what the next big thing was gonna yeah. be and, and you know and i do i do still always wonder which is why i tried to ask the question off off the top like you know what what would have happened if the if the m-i-l-l at the time was you know the brampton excelsiors versus the philadelphia wings or salmon bellies versus the buffalo band it's like you know it does sound like there was a bit of a missed opportunity there in that disconnect of launching a new league when there was all this established franchises going on could have been interesting could have been interesting all right, Brad, at the end of quarter two and calls to the hall. And uh, got to let you know, calls to the hall brought to you by Stampede and Tack Western Wear. You know what they love? Yes, but tell Har- me again. Hardworking people, lacrosse people. That's why they carry a wide range of clothing designed for those who work or play hard and are tough on their gear. Everybody should have been wearing this in 1984 in the MILL. With brands such as Carhartt, Wrangler, Outback Trading, there's Leather always the right clothing Woo, to keep better anything better than spandex. Yeah. Keep up with you on any job in any condition. Stampede carries plenty of in-stock items, but did you know they also can special order things for you? I didn't know corporate- that, but now the people know that as well. Corporate sized orders to help outfit your entire crew on the job site. Stampede and Tack Western Wear, located in Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th since 1966, and always online at stampede.ca. We're shopping online. Is still, still shopping local. Shopping local. Lacrosse and cowboy boots. That'd be, that'd be something. You know what? When there's when tournaments and things launched, like I remember, we went to we went to Founders in Guelph uh, one year for in, Founders for, out here this year, by the way, Brad. Uh, good friends at Extreme and, and Randy Clough, uh, BC Junior B Lacrosse, putting on the Founders this year here in BC. But we went to Founders and we all bought cowboy hats. So that's a group order you could do if your team's coming out to BC for founders and you're from, uh, you know, you're from Saskatoon or something or Calgary and it's something that's fitting to wear a cowboy hat, stampedetack.ca, get your, you know, 25 cowboy hats, pick them up when you arrive in Make town. Make your mention, and you heard it you, on Lax Class and, and uh, I'm not saying you will, not saying you won't, but I'm sure Kevin Michael Winkler and the gang there will hook you up a little deal if you're if you're doing that. And roll into the buildings with style. Where? What city is hosting Founders? Uh, I believe Coquilla. Nice. I want to say. I'm not positive on that, but I'm pretty, pretty sure. All right. Uh, let's take a break here on EP 121. Let's get to quarter number three, where quick sticks are coming up next. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Steve Dietrich, General Manager of the Buffalo Bandits. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the third quarter we go here on EP 121 of Lax Class. Jay Kelly, Brad Schellner with you. And now along with us as well is the new majority owner of the new national, well, kind of a new old National Lacrosse League team, the Albany NLL franchise, uh, Oliver Marty on the program. we got lots to talk to you about, Oliver. Uh, first off, thanks for doing this. How are things, man? Absolutely. Things have been crazy. Um, <clears throat> things have been nuts, uh, uh, w- which is all good. Um, you know, this uh, <clears throat> this transaction really, you know, occurred in, in pretty, uh, pretty quick uh, time. 
um, and uh, and uh, since then it's uh, been great response and and uh, you know really preparing to make this a, a big success. So I've been on a lot of conference calls, uh, getting all the right people in place and 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 trying to really figure out the uh, the details of the plan and 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 how to really make this uh, this a success in Albany. So been a busy time but all good yeah i bet man uh and and i gotta say like brad and i and and kind of our our group uh this one kind of caught us off guard we didn't hear anything about this this transaction being a potential or it happening or albany or anything like that you guys did a pretty good job of keeping that under wraps because normally we kind of dig that stuff up but i guess my question first oliver is is why now and, and why albany yeah you know it's uh it was very important. I think uh, I think the league, the Mohegan, and and all of us in our group were were really cognizant that um, we want to be very respectful of Mohegan and, and what they had put together and, and created. So uh, we we definitely I got I got texts and emails from folks. And I had to kind of ignore them. I felt bad about it um, because we really wanted to to make sure it was done right. At the end of the day, it, it turns out some guy leaked it anyway, which was which was very frustrating. Yeah, I bet. Um, I bet. But, um, you know, for us, it, it was a little bit uh, uh, of an opportunity that came to us. Uh, the, um, I got a phone call and, and uh, had uh, mentioned that uh, New England was, was going in a different direction um, and um, that there might be an opportunity for us. And um, so I had, uh, I had always, uh, you know, I'd known the guys in the NLL for a while. I'd spoken with Nick and, uh, at the time, um, um, you know, a couple of Dave Rowan and a couple of different guys, and um, I'd let them know I was interested, uh, and um, and you know, let me know if there was ever an opportunity. And so this it came about, and and uh, I uh, I thought uh, I thought the world of uh, of New England and, and what they had put together, and um, so I said I would look into it, and uh, I ended up. Uh, putting a great group of guys together um, that, that were interested and had the same goals as I did. And um, from there, it was uh, one of the big components was, was a, was an arena and, and a location. Uh, and so we had, uh, we looked at a number of them. Uh, I, I, I played uh, lacrosse at Brown in Providence and, and that was, uh, you know, kind of a number one on my list. It's, it's down the road from where I am. I love the town. I love the, you know, the sports, they love it. Um, uh, I grew up in Montreal or I was born in Montreal and, and that was a, was an option for us. Um, and, uh, uh, right in our backyard was, was an opportunity for us, uh, potentially down the road at, a uh, in, a, in an area called Bridgeport. And, um, and ultimately we reached out to all these guys and, and, uh, and, and went through the process and checking the boxes and, and tr- trying to really find out which would be um you know the best location uh, the best opportunity the best arena deal uh the arena that really uh, in town that really uh, thought uh, they really wanted to partner with us and, and it ultimately came down to uh to albany i think montreal uh would have been really good but i think because of covid uh and traveling over the borders it, it made it difficult to do the due diligence we wanted to um a great group there though uh and and so ultimately it came down to uh to um, a couple of venues and, and with Albany just kind of felt felt right, uh, not just from the arena 
It's a beautiful uh, arena too, Oliver. Like it's it. a great arena, and, and we really like the size of it. Um, we it's you know about fourteen, fifteen thousand people. Um, you know, really, that's our aspiration. We we want to sell it out. We, we um, and um, the uh, the uh, the arena really bought in. Um, they had also been wanting an NLL team for a while. Obviously, everyone knows of the attack that were there, and and they did very well. Um, but I think it's it, the whole town, the whole area in the capital region uh, has, has really exploded in terms of lacrosse. Obviously, no small part uh, played by you, Albany, and, and the likes of Lyle Thompson and the Thompson brothers and Connor uh, Fields, et cetera, Blaze Reardon. And so uh, it, it really, I think, is a whole different environment there now um, and, and really a home of, of lacrosse. And I think it's a great opportunity. And um, so we got a lot of buy in from the community, from the town, from the arena. And, um, uh, you know, we, that, that ended up being our, our, our decision. So I, I, I'm pretty excited about it. So some of the pillars that, that Nick Sakevich has always said when looking to, to move a team or expand the league would be ownership group, which he's, he's found a, a trusty group to work with now, uh, a good building deal, which I, I guess you guys have in place there, and, and grassroots in, in the community as well. So, you know, how, how is Box developing in Albany right now? And how do you guys plan to, to take it to the next level? Well, you nailed, you nailed it, Brad. I mean, those are kind of the keys, right? And, and um, um, you know, my hat's off to areas like uh, Fort Worth that, that are really looking to build it out there. Uh, I know lacrosse in Texas has been growing. Um, I, I think those are all the keys. And, and, and I've always been impressed with the fact that 75% or so of, of the, the players in the NLL are, are Canadian um, and, or thereabouts. And uh, it's quite amazing to see the success in the U.S. And, you know, most of the people haven't played box lacrosse, you know, here. They, they don't know it, but they love the game. And um, I happen to be heavily involved with the, uh, with the youth level. Um, and I've seen it. Uh, I, I see what's coming. And, and the U.S. is going to be putting together a lot of great players uh, over the next five years. Uh, a lot of these youth development programs that started – uh, you know, a handful of years ago, five years, five, 10 years ago, uh, are really starting to, you know, develop the players. Um, are they box specific, Oliver? Yeah. So that, that's, that's the beauty, right. Is, is the, the transition that's occurred has been, um, very much, Hey, let's get inside to in the box to help my game on the field side. Mm -hmm. Uh, how do I get better? How do I improve my game to get to field, to get a good scholarship? Um, and, and I think that's really transitioned. What I've been seeing is these guys get in the box. Now it, the goal is still to get to college, uh, and go because there, there's nothing else, you know, all these kids are going to go to college. Sure. There's no box lacrosse in college. Um, but when they get in the box, they, they, they realize how much they love the game. Um, and, and suddenly the NLL, uh, starts to become a real opportunity for them, but they were missing these, these stepping stones. And, and that's my hats off to, to U.S. Boxla, my hats off to U.S. Indoor. Um, th these are guys that have really kind of uh, provided a platform for, for players to uh, in the U.S. to actually now become box lacrosse players. Um, and, and it's all really happened in a very condensed area. I mean, you guys know Matt Rambo. You've seen guys like Dylan, Dylan uh, Malloy. I mean, there's even Connor Fields, you know, guys they never really had that opportunity to play box lacrosse. And that's really, you know, taking it to the next level for us players, but not all these guys needed was three, four years playing box um, to, to then be able to really uh, 
uh, excel right off the bat uh, in the NLL. You know, you've seen Matt. It's taken him a couple years now. He's one of the best players playing. Yeah. Um, if these guys had that opportunity to play uh, some box lacrosse, I think it would be a different level. Well, that's what you're seeing now. You're, you're seeing these guys that are, are playing in youth levels that are, are, you know, they go through high school, they go to college. Now they have an opportunity to also play in the collegiate level uh, with a number of different leagues. Um, you're going to see a whole different group of guys, guys that I've coached, guys that I've seen on the U20 team in the, for U.S. Indoor Lacrosse, um, and uh, guys that are coming through these programs, Cali Lax, you know, Colin Doyle really yeah. helping, you know, Roy Colsey, superstar, um, Kevin Crowley and Stevie Holmes down with, uh, with uh, Fusion, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Kelly with uh, Resolute, and, and even some Canadian boys like Dylan Gatt with L4 and and Callum Crawford with uh, with the impulse, you're you're going to see a whole new level of, of box play um, in in the U.S. and that's all part of it. And and in Albany, to Brad, to your your question, uh, that's a, you know what we hope to bring there as well. I, I think we, I I understand what it takes in uh, uh, to build the the youth level in in box lacrosse and. Uh, we're going to hopefully do that up in Albany as well. Uh, well, Brad and I have been saying it for years that it's just a matter of time before USA Box or even the Connecticut Box Lacrosse League here, Oliver, uh, yeah. produces a top flight box lacrosse goalie. And when that happens, watch out for Team USA. Well, it, it's in you, you nail you, you hit the next nail on the head. Uh, I wasn't even talking about goalies. That that's no, I know. I'm just saying, like it, the USA, the USA has been there yeah. knocking on the door, kind of, and they're they're one position away from from being a real legit contender. And I think that's it. Just takes time, right, to develop those guys over the course of their life to get to a world stage and be good enough at box across. It just takes time. There's no question, and 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 and. You know, uh, these guys that have been, you know, when I grew up, you know, we all started playing, when, you know, we were five years old and in the U.S. that was never the case. Yeah. But that's now happening in the field game. These guys, you know, it's just competitive. They're getting more and more competitive. Um, and so they're playing at an age that's very young, too. And, and they, you know, social media is all over the place. You know, there's a great highlight. You Albany kid, you know, coming and catching it, doing around the world, top corner. Saw that. You know, kids are seeing this, right? So, so they're all learning to play this, and and they're getting better and better. But the key is is getting in the box and playing. There's not a big overlap between uh, a field guy, a field player, attack guy, getting in the box and and you know, and then it translating to field. It they they they. they it works. Um, it works. They help each other. Yeah. With a goalie, it doesn't work. No. Right? And so, you know, very hard to develop that. And, you know, guys like Dylan Ward, I've reached out to, they've worked with some of our goalies with the U S indoor team, um, the U 20 team. Um, you know, um, uh, I've asked, uh, you know, reached out to, uh, Dallas Elliott, who, who's happy to help. And we, we got Marty O'Neill. These are all some, you know, some of the old timers that are, that are working with these, these guys. Um, it's been hard during COVID, but you, you've uh, the goaltending in the in the U.S. and it's happening. It's occurring. It's just it, it takes time. You yeah. know, when you're a goalie in the in Canada and you're, you know, starting out in Pee Wee and 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 uh, you're playing, you know, 30 games a season and you know all this stuff. It 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 um it helps. It, it, it helps. It brings the fire on you all weekend long. Simple, simple. It's simple, and so you know we're, we're that that's hopeful. You know, I don't. I think it's going to be difficult uh, to beat Canada um, and and the Iroquois. Uh, you know, they've just they've been. 
just reps, 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 yeah. all, you know, in the box. It's, it's hard to replicate that for American players, but I think you'll see that change over five years and you throw, you got a goalie or two in there and yeah, you will be competitive akin to how Canada now is competitive yeah, yeah, in yeah. the field game. Totally. And, uh, and I, so I think we're close. And I, I do want to talk to you about that 94 uh, world games. Oliver. I don't know <laughs> what the heck happened uh, back yeah. in 1994. Yeah. Thanks How about, um, <laughs> yeah, we, well, we're both from, uh, the lower, both in the lower. Yeah, we're from your neck of the woods. So I want, yeah. want, to, want to talk about your Richmond outlaw days too, but, yeah. uh, investing over the last couple of years that you can bring to the, to the board and the governors in the national lacrosse league and, and try to take this to the next level. I, I think it's, it's what you just said. It's to that next level. I, I, I think, uh, um, the idea and, and what the MLL created is, is really now moving to the next level. It's, you know, you, you have to pay players. Um, you have to, you know, when I played, uh, you know, pro and others got, you know, you're making a few hundred bucks a game. It's just, it's a, it's a secondary thing, you know, now these guys can, you know, especially with some camps and, um, and, and what have you, you can now play pro year round, on the field, off the field, you can make a quarter million bucks. You're doing it right. You're getting some sponsorships, uh, Epic lacrosse. We, we sponsor guys, uh, you know, we pay them, they do camps. Um, and, um, and I think it's just getting to that next level. Um, it, it also has to do, do a lot with, with bringing in the, the non-endemic crowd. You know, you know, the guys that love lacrosse, you know, we're, we're sitting on this podcast now, right? That That's the easy crowd. I'm so glad you said that, Oliver. Like, I, I, I don't know if enough people get that, that lacrosse fan is going to show. It's the, the sports and entertainment fan, that dollar that yeah. that owners in the National Lacrosse League are looking to grab a hold of. And and they are. Like I said, like, you know, we, we, we both, we talked about it earlier, right, with, you know, the, the crowd in the U.S. is growing and, and they've never even seen the sport. Imagine what happens when they grow up and, and they've played the sport. And so I think the PLL really is is moving to that next level of production, and and I think you, I'm sure you guys have watched these games. It's just it's a great show, and and even the NLL with the Turner deal has, has produced a better show, um, high definition, better cameras, all that good stuff. Um, guys like you producing, uh, you know, and and distributing information that that helps the guy that isn't necessarily the the lacrosse guy but helps them understand how great this game is uh, both in the box and, and on the field you know, the PLL, I think that one of the things that was really special was um, was really reducing the size of the field and making it shorter, adding a shot clock and yeah. a whole different game. You know, you had a number of cameras. Man, is it entertaining. Eh? Like it's, it's, it's quick. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's, yeah. it's a real deal. And, and I think when you kind of, I've used this example on a, another podcast they did, when you look at, where, where the major uh, uh, league soccer is today, the MLS, and, and um, where they've gone in, in, in 15, 20 years, I, I do think lacrosse has an opportunity to do that. In the box, it's, it's, I think there's just as much an opportunity, and I think I, I, my hat's off to, to Nick and, and what the, the uh, front office has done um, at the NLL in, in, in really – elevating the the uh, owners of the league um the media uh, opportunities there bringing in gambling um fanatics etc I, I i think they're they've, they're producing a great product the the 15th team is is around the corner i think people will be excited about that um and um and and again i i do think the ultimately 
the production of the game is the game is great as it is. I mean, uh, the players are phenomenal athletes um, and, and they'll want to compete. And you're going to continue to see that as we talked about with the youth level, um, the production of the game and the distribution of the game is, is critical. Um, and, and I think you're going to see that uh, improve as, as we move along and, and as um, um, you know, guys that are involved in both the PLL and the NLL really drive, uh, really drive the league and drive distribution. And so uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Absolutely. As we speak with majority owner of Albany NLL, Oliver Marty, uh, and we're going to talk about Albany a little bit more, but Brad mentioned you like you had a pretty good, I don't know. You grew up in Montreal. I'm not sure how you make your way to well, BC, but you can, you can tell, you can tell us that, but you had a little pretty good, you know, three, four year stretch run there back to back Minto cups with the outlaws of Richmond. Then straight to a man cup in your rookie year with the salmon bellies. I'm a, I'm a former belly myself, Oliver. Nice. So, uh, and, and then uh, Team Canada in, in 1994. So that little stretch there, two Mintos, a man in a world games. That, that was a pretty fun time in your lacrosse career, I must imagine. There's no question. I I, uh, I like talking about good memories. I mean, yeah, uh, I hear you. I would have liked, I would have liked to have closed uh, one of those deals. Um, what, what was also going on during that period uh, – was uh you know the stint at brown right uh where you know we were top five in the country every year uh we were always contenders for the eye of the league and 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 won it one of the years and um i think we were ncaa contenders every year and 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 uh so it was a good stretch i think i was coming into my own uh you know we had a, a great group of guys with the uh with the outlaws um, you know, some, some guys that, that maybe people don't know as well, but we're, we're just phenomenal players in helping drive the game. Jason Walder, uh, John Kilbride, uh, uh, Leo Paquin, just a great group. And, 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 uh, we really, uh, we were kind of like one of the first teams to start an offense defense back in, in junior. Um, we, we were also one of the first groups to to wear spandex. Yeah, that's good. Pioneers. No one thinks so you, you make some mistakes, you know. Um, but we had so you're saying team. Albany's not wearing spandex? Is that what no, you're telling us? No, we are not bringing back spandex. That's not one of the <laughs> – it's kind of like those – what were they called? Uh, uh, what were the pants when, in hockey? The, oh, the, the Cooperalls. The yeah, Cooperalls. You know, yeah. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Well, tell, <laughs> tell me, Oliver, you, I mean, you go to Brown University, you get, uh, you get mixed up in, in hedge funds you make yourself a boatload of money but was lacrosse always like did you always know it was going to come back around to lacrosse now with epic and and investing in the pll and now the nll like lacrosse always seemed to be a part of your life did you know you were always going to kind of be in the game one way or another not really you know i i I, um i i didn't you know life life happens and and it goes in, in a certain direction and um you know, hedge fund business, Wall Street, it, it was uh, it was demanding. It was tough. Um, I created a business uh, and um, was driven for that to, to be successful. And it didn't really allow a lot of other time, especially when I was having a family. And so um, I didn't I, I, uh, I, I didn't. But I was always involved in in youth lacrosse in the community. I, I would go out and help where I could. But just just fun stuff. Um, and it was always on the field. Um, I think it, it, you know, I got the bug, I think mid, you know, 2015, um, I don't know uh, what it was, but, um, I, I started, uh, to getting, uh, started feeling that I wanted to, to get more involved. Um, 
and I reached out to Shaden Santos and, and, uh, uh, he put me in touch with Roy and, uh, and, and we got together. I started helping him out and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I really saw how, uh, how much the kids love playing Vox. Um, and so I just started getting more involved, trying to help out. And eventually it, uh, it kept going and, um, um, I, I really started to put the pieces together as uh, both the side from an investment side, um, as well as, you know, my love for the game and, uh, you know, what I want to do for the next, you know, half dozen or, or a couple dozen years and, 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 and what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, some pieces fell in place. PLL came along. Uh, uh, James Maselli from Epic, uh, we had gotten in contact and, and uh, seemed like there was an opportunity there. So I, I think it's kind of a little bit been uh, by chance, uh, coincidence, maybe, you know, I don't know, I dare to say meant to be, but um, it, um, it is something that I've, I've, I, I love. Uh, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm good at, 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 uh, at understanding what lacrosse needs to, to take off and to grow. And so it's something I can give back to, uh, which I think is pretty important in my life. So, you know, kind of a, a few different uh, factors for, for the, uh, the recent involvement. What kind of owner are you going to be? Are you going to be on the road up in the press box? Jerry are Jones? Or, are you going to be pace of pace in the floor in Albany? Or are you going to be watch, watching from home with <laughs> chewing your knuckles or what? Hard ass. I'm going to be, I'm going to be firing people. It's like Trump. I'm going to be firing people left <laughs> and right. Um, Careful. No, you know, uh, you know, look, uh, one of the things I think I'm good at is, is, is knowing where to, you know, stick my nose and, and where not to. I, I, I uh, like to think I, I know how to, uh, identify talent uh whether that's you know as as as, you know on the bench or working or 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 on the uh on the field so you know my job and and much of our owners is to is to help where we can to create and build a a winning team uh and uh you know hopefully from running successful businesses uh, myself and our ownership group is you know we're going to try and implement some best practices you know incentivize guys the right way um, but you know, at least right now for us, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a plug and play. Uh, we, we have all the pieces in, 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 in place right now. Uh, I think the coaching sca- the staff is, is very solid. Yeah, we got a great notch, team. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, uh, some of the owners, uh, from, you know, that were originally with the wings, uh, Mike French and, right. you know, Brad. That's Bruce a nice luxury to have a eh, Oliver to bring it, a, it, an entire roster, your coaching staff, all that sort of stuff. Like you're not starting from square one essentially and that and 100%. like good team rolling in too like uh right. you got eight and three when when the season stops so you're in good shape kicking this thing off yeah 100 percent. and and i and even and even from kind of the, the 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 c-suite if you will um i mean these guys are all involved in lacrosse whether it's the pll it's u.s lacrosse whatever it is um and and then you know having guys like you know brad brewster who was you know, the chairman of the governors for three years and, and Mike French, who, you know, obviously a legend in his own right and, and, and everything he's done for lacrosse, but also being a, you know, part of helping build some successful teams. I mean, having these guys really know the ins and outs of the NLL, the policies, the rules, the bylaws, the, the, uh, the different um, uh, teams and, 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 and uh, you know, what some, you know, obviously some the ins and outs, the ins and outs, you know, the ins and outs. And that's going to, you know, that's going to, you know, help us uh, tremendously in, in getting up to speed very quickly and, um, you know, being competitive. 
Uh, last one here for you, Oliver. And and uh, listen, I I know the team name. There's going to be a, a a fan contest. I see the color orange staying pretty prominent uh, through the social media channels. So uh, if you want to break that out on on Lax Class right now, maybe just give us like your top three choices or something like that, and and let the <laughs> yeah. Here I go. Are you ready? <laughs> Are we, going, are we getting a dial tone any second here? Oh my God! Uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll tell you this, Marty. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a chance to to kind of lay it out to the fans here. Where where can they find information on Albany? The social media handles, all that sort of stuff, so fans can uh, start to follow along the new franchise here. Well, I, lo- I love that. I appreciate that. You know, really, right now, what we wanted to do is is uh, again, we wanted to make it the. the uh, the community's team, if you will, right? So we, we, we had, we've received almost a thousand um, um, uh, uh, emails and, and uh, uh, website, uh, uh, folks on the website uh, with the name, the team contest. And uh, there's some great names. Uh, and, and, and for us, we want to make it a name that, you know, that really represents Albany and is meaningful. And, um, and so it's actually pretty difficult. Uh, there's been a lot of good, a, a lot of good, uh, uh, submissions and, and, uh, we're going through that right now. I gotta, um, I gotta get this in here, Oliver, uh, our, a friend of our program here, the, the general manager of the Vancouver Warriors, Dan Richardson used to be the general manager of the new Westminster Sandbellies, of course. Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, let, let me know that the trout is actually the, the fish of of the capital region so he he suggested maybe trout bellies might uh, roll off the tongue what do you think i i, I appreciate that dan i'm gonna <laughs> it's funny because I, I i didn't realize it i didn't realize it till i was going through this process here that i played uh, junior a hockey with the richmond sockeyes yeah and i played oh, uh, salmon belly, you know, yeah. salmon bellies i'm i i i swear at no point did i ever really think anything of that <laughs> can't but, get away you know, from the fish this, the logos were fish it yeah. was quite odd um yeah i don't i don't think we'll be going okay that okay fair yeah. enough fair enough <laughs> sorry dan but uh yeah albany nll you know is pretty much what we've kept as the handles right. for everything um and the website and everything else and when we change the team name it will all flow over um I love the orange. I love everything about the black wolves. You know, it, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see how that all turns out. Um, I love the logo. It's, you know, you know, but uh, again, we gotta, we gotta make it yours. Make it yours. What's that? You gotta make it yours, right? You gotta make it yours. Oh well, yeah. We gotta make the communities. There and, you and, go. And, 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 and um, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a difficult decision because already there's, there's, uh, um, you know, like I'd say three or four that are really prominent that we really like. And do you have an and, idea when you're going to announce that? Well, you know, we actually, yeah, we were hoping to do it. Uh, you know, middle of this month, maybe a little longer. Okay. But uh, because of the the uh, how close it is, we're going to probably take a little bit more time. We want to get this right. All right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Oliver, I can't uh, thank you enough for your time. Uh, congratulations on the new acquisition. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing Albany roll out. And uh, best of luck with Epic as well. I know uh, you guys are doing great things with those guys. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Brad. Uh, anytime uh, I can uh, uh, convey uh, my love for the sport, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always happy to give my uh, my view. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Take uh, up on that for sure. There Cheers. you go. There's Thanks, uh, Albany NLL's Oliver Marty, Brad Challoner, and uh, 
Like I said, BC boy, essentially, right? Uh, playing a lot of lacrosse here, box lacrosse in, in British Columbia, made his way back to Brown University and, and really never looked back, but lacrosse always kind of in his blood, and now he's fully invested, PLL, NLL, lacrosse company, all the rest of it. Yeah, he's got the itch, got the itch more than ever, and I didn't get any chance to ask, but like went down to Brown in, you know, 90, 91, where not a lot of America or not a lot of Canadian players, mm. especially from the West Coast, were making their way down there if your name wasn't Gate or Marichek at the time, so yeah. part of that wave and part of a uh, Stampede and Tack Western wear yes. guest here on the Cross Classified. <laughs> Stampede Attack Western Wear loves hardworking people, just like lacrosse people, just like Oliver Marty. That's why they carry a wide range of clothing designed for those who work or play hard and are tough on their gear with brands like Carhartt, Wrangler, Outback Trading. There's always the right clothing to keep up with you on any job, in any condition. Stampede carries plenty of in-stock items, but did you know they can also carry special orders for you, including corporate-sized orders to outfit your entire crew on the job site? Stampede Intact Western Wear, located in Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180 since 1966. And online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Uh, I, I could have stopped you like when you started because we actually did our stampede read for the stallion in quarter one and, and call the hall for, for Chris Fritz and well, two. Well, we're bonusing it. We're we are because there's been Chris plenty of episodes where I've missed the stampede read. So I just figured I'd let, up. let you run out there, uh, okay. on that one. So thanks to stampede tag. Thanks to Oliver Marty. We still got more action to come here on EP 121. Let's head to the fourth quarter and we're going to do some quick sticks in Q4. Keep it right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service with 40 years of experience an extensive product catalog and an ever-growing fleet of equipment associated labels and packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level This is John Tavares, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified. All right, lacrosse fans, we are back. We are into the fourth quarter, but uh, we're going to overtime. Don't forget this week. Uh, So quarter number four, sponsored by Manscaped. And it's St. Patrick's Day, Brad Schoner, coming around the corner here in just a matter of days. St. Patrick's Day is, is usually for pubs not pubes that's the that's kind of the catch line there <laughs> <laughs> zing give me the drum roll um so and if your pubes are green you have a real problem oh my goodness uh, go see a doctor that's, go, that's serious or, stuff there. or or man or manscape and maybe you won't have that issue yeah i uh you know you, you're you're always talking about the chest and the back and the back is always a, a, a bit of a problem area for me does does crystal get right in there like does she have a problem when it's just like hey babe it's time to time to shave the back does she she'll, just she'll, like... she'll help me out i don't like to ask i'd like to try to do as much as i can and then i'll, I'll bring her in for the the hard to reach places yeah but she's not too super down with it. How about? <laughs> yeah, she's Daddy's not either. Well, well and the waxers, I, I, I used to, I used to wax quite a bit, and they would always tell. Me, I don't know if this is just so you I can go back and get waxed every couple of years or a couple of times a year, but they would always say, "No, you can't shave because it grows back too fast. If you wax, it goes away for like six months before it comes back." I can't. I'm away. such a sissy. I can't. I can't do the waxing, man. Like I. I made it like I'm, three strips one time, and I just gave up. I was like, "I'm, t- I'm terrified crying. of the chest." 
I'm terrified of the chest, but you can wax my back all day long. Oh, I'm not that bad. God. A little hot wax. Oh. And the soothing calm. And yeah, you don't need the hot wax if uh, you pick yourself up the perfect package, Brad. It's got all the necessary equipment and lotions and rate, like everything you need so you don't need to wax comes in the perfect package. Uh, promo code LAXCLASS20. Go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code. You get free shipping and 20% off. And... Uh, we've had lots of content uh, ideas, suggestions coming in now, Brad, which I love to see. So lots of guys uh, are going to be entered into this little draw we're doing. So we appreciate that. Uh, I want to get these guys Todd LeBronch with a good one. Don Alfred, Ira Huff, Kyle Goring, Lance Hofseth, Brent Robinson, Ryan Ireland. I've got all your suggestions so far and others. You're entered into the draw, and, and we'll announce that uh, in the coming weeks. Keep those suggestions coming. What do you want to hear from us for the coming months here until we can work our way into an actual lacrosse season once we run out of Hall of Famers? Uh, if you have a suggestion, get at us or... If you also want to be entered into the draw, go to lax or go to manscaped.com, excuse me, enter in your promo code, make a purchase at Manscaped, take a screenshot and send it to us and uh, you can get entered in that way as well. Uh quick sticks, not many this week, Brad, which is which is okay cuz we're going to overtime here. Uh where do we begin with quick sticks? Uh, well, I mentioned Bob Hanley grassroots down there in Fort Worth for Panther City Lacrosse Club. Well, they've added to their coaching staff a little presser coming on Friday, Brad, as uh Dan Tate, former NLL star, is now the offensive coach alongside Tracy Koleski in Dallas Fort Worth. Panther City Lacrosse Club. That's a scary sounding bench. Like good, good for them. Like we know we had TK on a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he's just an all-time legend. But and we said that his benefit was his connection to the junior game still, which Bob Hamley admittedly kind of doesn't have right now. Who's another guy that does that? Dan Teat is connected to, yeah. to the junior game in a big way. So let the speculation begin on on how soon they try to make a move to bring young Jeffrey to the Lone oh, Star. Oh, I State. think that wheel is already in motion, Brad. I. I to make no mistake, I don't know what they. I mean, they're gonna have what number one expansion pick, number one entry draft pick. That's a pretty good start, right? With some of the talent uh, you're gonna have available to you, I don't think that's gonna quite get it done for one Jeffrey. Well, team, remember, but... remember when when Jim Veltman was with us a month or so ago? Not happening, Christmas. no matter not, what. No, not happening. He, he was willing. He was saying like. What did he say? Not Lyle Thompson and a couple firsts, you know, was the only thing he would really be looking at at this point. So We'll see. So they still we'll need to see. add a, a D coach and probably a goalie coach there in, in Fort Worth as well, and I'm sure they will in pretty short order, I would bet. But uh, I can't uh, believe I've seen Peterborough and Brampton working hand I know, in hand at the I know. League level. It's, it's right? I think uh, they'll have to find an Orangeville D coach and really get the trifecta together. <laughs> They might. They might. WA schedule came out, Brad. Uh, 12 gamers starting late June and lacrosse every single night in the dub. Uh, This got me pretty excited. I'm smiling just looking at the schedule. Like, what a July. That's going to be one hot July, man. Headbands for everybody. Every single freaking night in the summertime. And Copeland and Frank Crane and Poirier and Cam Neely and the LEC and Queens Park and the Q Center. And I hope hope it goes. And I know speaking to Paul Del Monte recently, 
if this uh, if this 12 game version doesn't work they do have a plan b mm. where they could sort of shorten it and start a little bit later they are looking at they're looking at everything right now but this is the first draft of what they've they've put out and what they're hoping we can pull off here whether it's fans or not i think webcasts and getting these games on is is in Paramount. everybody's everybody's best interest yeah. the boys just want to play lacrosse and get those touches in it's going to be one of the most competitive summers of all time. Yeah, like I and think we're waiting could, on the major series to, to drop their schedule. Yeah, I think you could probably entice like high profile guys to play on on a pretty cheap ticket just because well, they're starving to play. And and listen, if yeah, fans are there, the, the game's not there. Yeah, teams aren't gonna have the money sponsorship to spend on players dollars, this year. right? And, but teams aren't gonna have the money to spend no. on players, but guys are desperate. If guys are to gonna, play. yeah, willing to play, hey, come come crash on my couch for literally a month and a half. Like you can show up in, in the first week of July and just play all of July, yeah, right? You can. So you really only need to be in town for, for five, six weeks. It's gonna weeks. be interesting and and listen, if uh if it comes to like that's what we're like that's why what Trudeau said about everybody being vaccinated by the end of summer got me excited. Like if we can hold out until late June and start, then man, I hope Dr. Bonnie and, and minister Dix are like, okay, like it's good enough. Let's go. Cause it's been long enough. Um, what else, Brad? Uh, Canadian lacrosse hall of fame round table, March 21st. The goalies are coming up. Dave Evans is hosting. Keep you kind of apprised of that. And the last one I got here over the weekend, I got a couple of messages from a couple of people. And then I started doing a little more digging and I reached out to a few people and kind of back this up. CLA discussions happening regarding Minto Cup 2021, Brad. Ontario is scheduled to host this year. Um, whether that is happening, I do not know. Technically, they are past their window of when they are supposed to announce a Minto Cup host city or franchise or team or whatever you want to call it. So that has not happened yet. But the, the reports I got were that Ontario wants to line up the Minto Cup with the Canada Games, which are going to be next year in Ontario. And I fully get that because that's Why? what's the what's the benefit that's the there? revenue because there's tons of kids there tons of teams there it's played in the same arena all the rest mm. of it and that's how you make your money because of the the people that are in your vicinity while that tournament is going on and where are those summer games st Catharines. Place? st Catharines, 2022 okay so now like so it's not happening this year so what is happening now is ontario saying we don't want to host the Minto Cup this year. We want to host it next year. And I don't think BC and Alberta are on board with that. They're saying, no, if you don't host it this year, you're not hosting it for another three years. And that doesn't work for us. So now it's gotten to a point where Ontario is saying, we don't want to host. We also don't want to travel to the Minto this year, if it's in BC or Alberta. And oh yeah, we don't want you to play in the Minto Cup if we're not there. Now, Brad, I am fully okay with Ontario saying, you know what, we, we're not going to eat it this year and host the Minto Cup. We can't do it, can't afford it, don't want to do it, fine. Let another province host it. And if they're willing to step up and, and foot that bill and host the Minto Cup, fine. If you don't want to travel to the Minto Cup, you don't want to participate in the Minto Cup for whatever COVID reasons, financial reasons, 
whatever, that's fine too. I'm okay with it. But to go and say, don't play because we're not there, give me a break. That's ridiculous. Can you imagine the ask saying that? How, like, I don't know where. And, and so, Brad, I, I started like, is this actual thing? I got it on pretty good authority from both Alberta and BC that, yes, this conversation happened. And furthermore, from a source out of Ontario saying that the vote was 10 to 1 in favor of not hosting nor competing. So I just don't get it, man. Like, if you don't want to send a team, okay. And, yeah, maybe you want to stick an asterisk beside whoever the champion is in 2021 should they be able to get a Mento Cup off the ground and played for you want to put an asterisk beside it fine but to go out and ask two other leagues and provinces not to compete for it because you're not there come on yeah a little little selfish i would think i again i i agree with everything you're saying and i think that that bc and alberta if health regulations are strong enough and if people even even ontario if they're strong enough to to travel but they're just saying no we're not going to then BC and Alberta play. And it's still a Minto Cup championship, the way I see it. Like, you can't cancel it, it for be everybody. It just BC and Ontario. Group- it was just BC and Ontario for a long time, Brad. And then Alberta yeah. came in. So if Ontario's not there for a year, best of seven, let's go. Exactly. Exactly. I pay. I don't I don't have a I, I totally agree. I don't I have just a can't to believe. On, others, on the other side of that. I know that's boring. No, podcast. like I just I it's can't the way believe you lay that out, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Orangeville, yeah. the only organization to vote in favor or against neither hosting nor competing. Just so we're on the record with so that. So wanting well. to they, wanting to they either want to host compete. or they want to go no matter what. And I think, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that a team wouldn't. If it gets to the late in the summertime and they've played the majority of a junior A season, and you know BC and Alberta are going to host a Minto Cup somewhere in Calgary or Coquitlam or wherever, yeah. and you know Six Nations is cruising or, or Brampton's having a great season, I, I'd be shocked if they don't try to. Okay, now we're ready. Now we're ready. Like, yeah, I, I just don't know how you how you take a year off. For me, it's the ass. But if you effort. do decide, if you do decide to take a year off, then you let other people. Continue yeah. that can. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not there, so don't play. Like, come on. Like, just, yeah, that's, it's comical. It's not going to happen. It's that's absolutely happen. comical. Quick sticks are done. Let's go to overtime. Jimmer coming up. Something else next. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Overtime on EP 121. Welcome back to Lax Class. Big thanks goes out to Associated Labels and Packaging for their continued support. And please support them. If you need a label, you need a package, anything. If you have a company that needs, like, listen, everything needs a package or a label. Pretty much, right? Like, I, I don't, I can't think of things that don't need labels and packaging. Associated Labels and Packaging at Associated LP, family owned focusing on ethics and quality, 40 years of experience in cutting technology down there and environmentally friendly, all the rest of it, uh, associatedlabels.com. Check them out and 
Here in quarter four, we like to do something else. But I got to tell you first, uh, please give us a follow, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen, wherever you listen right now, hit that subscribe button, fire down a little review. Got some time left here. Give Brad a follow on Twitter at Brad Chow. Give me one at PXP for sports. If you're not on social media, we have an email address. It's lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We even got a TikTok, Brad. I haven't done anything with it yet, but uh, I did secure Lax Class on TikTok if you want to get on there and do do something. Uh, do it all, and uh, we appreciate all of that. So I think it's time. Let's try something else. Let's begin. All right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Oh, let's try something else. Hey, Jake and Bradley, it's Jim Else here. Time for another week of Something Else on the Lacrosse Classified Podcast. Last week, I talked about fans around uh, lacrosse. This week, I'm going to talk about the buildings the fans go to. Uh, When this pandemic uh, is over, I will be making a trip to a few different arenas around North America. Uh, I'm going to start uh, with a home game in Halifax, the Halifax Thunderbirds, uh, playing the New York Riptide. That will be a destination game for me. Uh, Not only will be fun lacrosse uh, after the game uh, having beers with guys like Ryan Benash and Dan McRae and uh, talking about some old times would actually be pretty darn fun. Uh, another place I want to go to see some lacrosse maybe one day is, is Colorado. Uh, they've got one heck of a show put on there. They've got a one big huge uh, emblem in the middle of their, uh, uh, their, their, their field there and uh, I'd love to go down there and see uh, the guy that uh, people say tr- to trade uh, that would be Dylan Ward uh, playing the lacrosse um uh, getting back into my own building the victoria shamrocks uh, q arena might be tough this year planning on a, a june july uh, series uh, 12 uh, game season and i don't know if i'll be able to sp- see any games because i pretty darn sure that Canada won't have figured out how to vaccinate me by then uh, but uh, until then uh, let's try and figure this out. Any place else I'd like to go see lacrosse I'd like to go see a game, uh, maybe sit with Evan and uh, and watch the Rush play anybody. Uh, get a bunch of people in Saskatchewan uh, cheering on their fam- favorite team uh, I'm in. Uh, going to Calgary again. The last uh, NLL game I saw was in Calgary and it was the championship game. Uh, I got absolutely blasted, had a great time and saw my my uh calgary roughnecks win the nll championship uh feel free uh hit me up with your favorite venue to catch a game uh maybe the bunny barn uh the tony rose arena in orangeville that would might be another place to go uh, someone was going to mention that to me i just know it uh, everybody's favorite summer arena is uh, right there in orangeville uh, that's about it. Until I can go see a game in uh, in person, uh, that's all I can do is think about it. Uh, have a good week, good times, ciao. There he is, our boy Jimmer with something else. And uh, give him some – he's talking about fans the last couple of weeks, Brad. Now it's the arena, some of Jimmer's favorite places to watch a lacrosse game. Now, truth be told, we haven't – Listen to, to Jim or something else here. We're doing this off the cuff, but Jimmer said, yeah, I'm talking about my favorite lacrosse arenas, best places to watch lacrosse. So where is it for you, Brad? Maybe give give me your top two in, in summertime and the NLL. For me, it's it's pretty simple. I can only talk about buildings that I've been to. So, you know, apologies to no, Pepsi Center, apologies to Banditland. 
apologies to the Bunny Barn in Orangeville, um, Peterborough Memorial Arena in Peterborough. I haven't been to these places. And one of these, I talk about it all the time when I'm broadcasting WLA games. Like, I would love to do an Ontario, Southwestern Ontario lacrosse arena road trip one day. And just do like a week or two in southwestern Ontario. Can I come with you? Maybe you and I should do it. Maybe we do a bro trip. And we go, we take the cross-classified on tour. Whose SUV are we taking? We we, we can take the Rogue. We'll take my Rogue out. You know, cross-country. No problem. You pay for gas. Um, And hit up Memorial Arena and go to Brampton and go to Orangeville. And, oh, my God. I was just like, that's just, I would would kill to try something like that. Going to Six Nations. I haven't been to that, to to, to ILA either. Like, yeah. I think to experience that would be would be pretty would be pretty special. Um, I just got to stick with what I know. Like growing up as a Vancouver Canucks fan, and and growing up inside Rogers Arena, to me lacrosse always had to be back there to feel like a mainstream big event in Vancouver. They're finally there, and I just feel so at home walking through the halls of Rogers Arena. I think the people in the city of Vancouver do too when they go see the NLL there. So that's gonna be the top of the list. I've had some special moments in the Saddle Dome, and that building has some haunting moments too it's it's an old building so it kind of has a vibe to it um you know there's been a flood there before stanley cup has been one in that building there's just there's ghosts in the saddle dome and and that kind of feels cool to me and the fans in calgary are second to none too and calling the 2019 championship game there standing room only that building was absolutely shaking when reese dutch scored that goal and so i put saddle dome near the top of that list as well summertime easy no-brainer for me queen's park arena and nothing even comes close uh, apologies to the palace uh, apologies to the cam and the queue but like you know I, I swear to i swear if you walked into queen's park arena and no one was there and closed your eyes and listened you could hear Jack shoes squeeze shoes shoes squeaking on the hardwood yeah. and balls bouncing off the glass and people making noise like that's what an old haunted barn feels like and to walk in there and see you know 20, 23, 24, 25 man cup banners, whatever it is, hanging up there. 24. Uh, the retired jerseys, the history, the hardwood. There's just something so eerie and haunting and special about Queens Park Arena that to me, the summertime in the lower mainland, nothing comes close. Yeah, I uh, I got to agree with you on, on Queens Park and, and being a, a former belly and, and playing uh, close to a decade there. The old floor sounded a lot different than the new floor. Like there was hollow and dead spots in it and it really kind of echoed and thundered when you when you ran on it. And, uh, you know, anytime that you walk in there, Brad, it's just you get that feeling um, like, you know, the smell of popcorn and the, the hot dogs, oh yeah, all of it. And, and just, uh, man, it, the, the bright, like it's dark in the stands, but the floor is shining bright. And it's not the greatest place to call a game because you got the, the girders in the way up and the, the shot clock's a little bit blocked and your view isn't the greatest from the booth. But, uh, man, do I ever love playing there? I love going to watch games there and just the whole atmosphere. So Queens Park's right up there. And, and I, I kind of got that same feeling in ILA. I've actually never like watched a live lacrosse game in it, but I've been in it multiple times for like swarm training camp and over the years and just kind of been in there a few times, but never witnessed a, an actual game going on. So, but I just kind of, you, you kind of get that feeling, that connection to the game, to the medicine when you walk into the ILA. So that one's going to be up there for me 
on uh, the summer list. Honorable mention to the LEC, of course, because that's just like my second home, and, and I've called so many games there that I just I got to mention it. Um, NLL becomes a little bit tougher. Never been to Philly, so I can't put that on. Uh, and I think I've been pretty much everywhere else in the league. Haven't been to San Diego yet. Uh, but Buffalo, Colorado, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Vancouver, Rochester, New England back in the time. Um, Toronto I've been to. What else am I missing, Brad? Uh, never been to Halifax yet. I I don't like I almost want to put Halifax on the list even though I haven't been there yet because it just yeah, looks, it looks awesome, good. right? You built something special there. Yeah. For sure. Saskatchewan, uh, Brad, I, like I'm going to go homer here and I, I know you've you've called the game in there as well, but just like I love to do a lap around the concourse about an hour before I, I get up in the booth, and it's just jammed an hour before the game starts, shoulder to shoulder, crammed in there. Everybody's wearing a rush jersey, like, and I mean everybody is wearing a rush jersey sitting in that in that stadium. And I don't know the the vibes and the electricity that you get inside Sastel, which is a super old building, but steep and just. I don't know. So Saskatchewan's going near the top of the list for me as well in the NLL. And, uh, you know, seeing a game back in Vancouver, calling a game in Vancouver was, was you know, on, on radio side for Saskatchewan at the time was was pretty surreal as well. So I, I feel you on that one, kind of being a lifelong Canucks fan and, and Vancouver resident uh, to get a, to call a game in, in the Raj was a unique experience. And uh, I, I think they had the best pregame meal. As well, too, Brad. Like the the chef set at Rods do pretty good. Well, you, rib you, night. You were there Come on, on rib night. Yeah, you, you you lucked out. You had a horseshoes up your ass so far. <laughs> you showed up on rib night. Uh, we get it once a year. Yeah. Free game. There you go. But yeah, there's Cajun chicken, and and, salad, yeah. and chili, and tacos, and pulled pork, and. There you go. So, yeah, Roger Sestel, your Saddle Dome and the Raj were both KPA. I'm going ILA. And what was your second summer summer one? I, couldn't I didn't give a second one. I said there's nothing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fair enough. Okay, Brad. Well, I think that is it for a jam-packed 121. Thanks for hanging with us. I know uh, we went deep into that one. The big thanks goes out to our sponsors, of course, Brad. Stampede Tack, the Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, Manscaped, promo code LAXCLASS20. Keep those content suggestions coming. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Oliver Marty for coming on and to uh, Fritzy as well. We'll be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another episode of Lax Glass. Until then, for Brad Schellner, I've been Jay Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody.